And being the time of year it is, I'm glad that we're able to gather again indoors. I think you'd agree with me. Uh, if there's anyone out there, I hope they have their air conditioner on in the car. I know it's hot, but I thank the Lord for the changes of season and the summertime where things can grow. If it was winter all year, it'd be kind of bad, wouldn't it? Wouldn't be a lot to eat. <laughs> One of our little girls came to me last night. She had a drawing she had done of a Christmas tree and some presents underneath it and a fireplace with a roaring fire. And uh, this after she'd been out swimming in the pool all day in the heat in the backyard. I thought that was a little unusual. And then this morning, we're getting ready for church. Our other little girl came up and started telling me that her hands were cold. And she couldn't understand why, because it's not Christmas yet. So I'm thinking they've been over at Rosalind's house watching Christmas in July on Hallmark. (laughs) That's not that time of the year. But James chapter 1 tells us this in the 16th verse. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We should be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And verse 16 says, do not err. In other words, don't forget and don't lose sight of the concept that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. You know, if we're not careful, sometimes we forget that. You know, we have so many blessings in life and the Lord has been so good to us that if we're not careful, we could forget that the source of those blessings ultimately is not our hard work. It's not our bodies that the Lord has made strong to work and to provide. It's not necessarily the benevolence of a good government. And it's not wrapped up in those things. But the source of the true good things we have in life is from God the Father. Now we worship in Christianity the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three being one. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, which you may not find in your Bible if you don't have the old King James Version, says that there are three that bear record. There's the Father, there's the Word, which is the living Word Jesus, and there's the Holy Ghost. And so these are the three persons of the Godhead revealed to us being one. Now, that's a mystery I don't completely understand. But the reason I point that out is that Scripture tells us that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one in purpose. They are one in nature. But that in a sense that we could understand it, you might say they have different roles or different functions in our lives. And we understand that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from the Father. Now, we hear a lot if you listen to Christian radio, you listen to messages about God the Son Jesus who went to the cross and died for our sins. And I'm very glad that we hear about that a lot. We're all very familiar with the workings of the Holy Spirit. I hope (laughs) we hear a lot about the Spirit. And you do hear people pray to God the Father, but I think sometimes we might forget Sort of how the chain of things works in a sense. You know, when the Lord was here, he said, 
I have not come to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me, the will of the Father. And he said, I and the Father are one, but he subjected himself to the authority of God the Father. And if we think about that, if we think about the fact that the good gifts that we have come from God the Father, it behooves us to think about how those come down to us, to think about what they are, and to think about, especially in this time that we're living in, how we ask and we request that God the Father would continue to bless us. Think about what Jesus came to do. We know that He came to die for our sins. He came and preached to us the kingdom of God. And then He went to the cross and He died. The sins of His people died with Him that day. And then He was laid in the grave. He was resurrected and we were resurrected with Him. And then after He had spent some time here on this earth ministering a little further, He ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. And what, what does He do there now? Now His role in accomplishing the salvation of His people was finished as he said on the cross. It is finished, right? And Jesus is resting there on the right hand of God the Father, not because he was tired, but because he's done with that. But he's still there making intercession for us. And Romans chapter 8 and the 34th verse tells us that. That he also maketh intercession for us. Hebrews chapter 7 says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So when we pray things in Jesus' name, we say, Lord, heal. We ask you, our relatives, or take care of us, or please provide. And we pray in the name of Jesus. We're praying to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're praying in the name of Jesus, who's there on the right hand of the majesty on high, and He ever liveth to make intercession for us. So there are things that God has done for us in an eternal sense, and there are things that God still does for us in a here and now sense as we walk through this life. And there is a distinction. Jesus said this in Matthew, the 10th chapter. If you would turn with me there. The 32nd verse. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now a lot of people think that's talking about Eternity. In other words, if I don't confess Jesus here in this life, and some would take to the extreme to say, if I don't confess Him and live for Him every single day, then He is not going to confess me before the Father, and I'll spend eternity in the pit. That's what some people think that means. I don't believe that's what that means. And I give you several reasons. If you disagree with me, that's okay. We'll, we'll still be together in heaven by God's grace. But understanding the companion passage to this over in Luke, the 12th chapter... The Lord says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you also before my father's holy angels. So if the Lord is talking about heaven here specifically, then that means the angels also have something to do with your eternal salvation. And I don't believe that that is their role. Hebrews chapter one tells us, are they not ministering spirits sent to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation? In other words, the Lord has given us a concept here that in this life, it is important for us as children of God who've been given faith to believe and have been given the Spirit of God, it is important for us to confess and profess and live for the Lord and pray to Him because He's still got a role on His throne there in presenting our requests and presenting our case and our condition 
before God the Father. And remember what James told us. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights. There are some things that God the Father sends down to His people when they confess His name and profess His name that they might otherwise do without. In 2 Timothy, the second chapter, we read, if we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we believe not yet, He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. And in eternal sense, you will never be denied by God. Because you as a child of God were placed in Christ by God the Father. And we're told that in Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as He has chosen us in Him. He goes on the next verse and tells us that we received the predestination of adoption. And then He says we were accepted in the Beloved. And then we were redeemed. Why? According to the good pleasure of His will. Because of His grace. And so in an eternal sense, your eternal salvation is wrapped up in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were placed in Christ. Your sins died when Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sins. And they will never be held against you for all of eternity because of the work of Christ. That's a heavenly concept. And that's why Paul goes on to write in that same chapter of 2 Timothy down in the 19th verse, the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Child of God, you're not going to lose out on eternity, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did. But there's some things I'll submit to you that we've been doing without in this nation and around the world these last few months. And part of the reason is, is that we are no, I don't mean you individually now, bear with me, but we are no longer as a society, culture, nation professing the name of Jesus Christ. We have done everything we could do in the last 50, 60 years in this country to remove His name from our institutions, to remove His name from public education, to remove His name from our monuments, to remove His name and His commandments from our courthouses, and I believe we are paying the price of doing that. Now you don't have to agree with me, but bear with me. And let's think about it. If we deny Him before men, He will deny us before the Father and before the holy angels. Now, if every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, you say, Brother Neil, what are some of those good and perfect gifts? If you have that question in your mind, I'm so glad you did, because that's what I would like to talk to you about for the remaining time. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. We talked about some eternal things that God the Father has given us. He chose us, placed us in Christ, sent His Son to die for us, secured our eternity. Thank Him for that. But let's be pleading with Him to also do some things here as we walk in this life. Because I don't know about you, but there have been some inconveniences, uh, to say the least, and some a lot worse than that over the last few months that we've experienced and other people have. And things may get worse. What do we read in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 3? Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Where does mercy come from? God the Father. Do you need a little mercy in your life? I need a lot of mercy in my life. I am a sinner. I am a son of Adam. I can't trace my genealogy all the way back that far. The furthest I can go is a couple hundred years to a man named Wilkes Honey who moved to South Mississippi from South Carolina. That's as far back as I can go. But if I could trace it, 
I was in Adam when Adam sinned. And I have a sin nature. And I believe I've been born again by the grace of God. And there's a struggle going on within me where sometimes I want to sin and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I do it. And then I'm ashamed and I get down and I say, Lord, please forgive me. Have mercy on me. Right? I need mercy. And mercy comes from the one who has every right and every ability to send me judgment. Do you follow me? He can send judgment and not mercy if he chooses. And I'm not talking about eternity now. Oh, thank God, when you draw your last breath here and you wake up over there, there's nothing held against you there. But what about now? We need mercy, don't we? We need a little mercy now. There's a song that the children and I sing at home. It's a secular song, but it says, I need a little mercy now. And it's a good song. I need a little mercy now. It says, my father needs a little mercy now. It won't be long and he won't be around. He needs a little mercy now. My brother needs a little mercy now. The pain he lives with is sometimes more than living will allow. He needs a little mercy now. My church and my country need a little mercy now. They're sinking into a poison pit. It'll take them forever to get out. Oh, they need a little mercy now. Now, that's not Bible. That's just somebody's thoughts. But that expresses what I feel sometimes. I need a little mercy. And sometimes I need a lot of mercy. He's the God of mercy. So I want to figuratively, (laughs) excuse me, or literally... In my mind or in beside my bed, listen, when I see the world taking a knee to some socialist movement, you know what I need to do? I need to take a knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to profess His name again. And I need to confess His name again. And I need to ask Him for mercy for my country, for my children, for sorry old me. And you know what? He's so good to send it. Oh, He's been so merciful. You just don't know. I, I, when it starts to thunder outside, I head for shelter. Because I know who deserves a lightning bolt. <laughs> I do. But he's so merciful, see. Amen. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Do you need to be comforted? Oh my. If we ever need to be comforted, we need to be comforted right now, don't we? Amen. When you go to the store and somebody you know, says something mean to you because you didn't stay six feet away or you didn't have your mask on, and, if, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong, to, you know, hey... Do what you feel that keeps you safe. But what I mean is, it's like when other people are mean to you because you do or because you don't, or when you're standing in line and they turn around and say, get back, you're too close. And you realize, hey, what happened? Nobody did this six months ago. You need comfort. (laughs) I need comfort. Who's the God of all comfort? It's God the Father. He can comfort you in all your tribulation. Tribulation will exist as long as this... Sin-cursed earth exists until the Lord comes back. Do you, we realize that, right? I mean, there may be periods of time we don't have as much as we have at other periods of time, but there will always be something. That's right. And we need to be comforted mm-hmm. that we could comfort others. Them which are in any trouble. Any trouble, whatever it is. That's one thing that the Lord does. Maybe a couple things that the Lord does. He's the God of all mercy. He's the God of comfort. He's a God of peace. John chapter 14, the Lord with His own lips told us about something that the Father would do. Remember, we talked about what the Lord came to do. He came and He, and he lived and He died and He ascended to heaven and, and He gave Himself for our sins. But He didn't leave us comfortless, right? right? So some of the things that God the Father does, He sends mercy, He sends comfort. And we pray He would send mercy instead of judgment. 
I hope you pray that for our nation. Because we deserve a big old heap of judgment. I'm just going to tell you. And I don't have to tell most of you why. The number of the babies that have been aborted in this nation in the last 48 years. I mean, all of those things that have gone on. I mean, if we think that the Lord is, is blind to that, we, we're very much deceived. And I don't think any of you are deceived in that way. You know that. But I think our nation at large may be deceived in that area sometimes. So we need those things. But here's something Jesus said. You know, Jesus is here preparing to uh, give his life and then ascend back to heaven. And he wants to let the disciples know that he's not leaving them without some comfort. Verse 26 of John 14. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. See, again, here, here's something that comes from the Father. You were, you were chosen for the foundation of the world to be an heir of grace by God the Father and placed in Christ. And who sends the Spirit down to give you spiritual life and to give you comfort in this life? God the Father does. Amen. Because you are His child. Right. Romans chapter 8 tells us we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. If you've cried out to the Father... If you've rejoiced in what the Father has done, praise God. The reason you could is because He loved you and sent His Spirit to you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Because ye are sons, He hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. He said, brother, no, I've cried out. Oh, I've professed Christ. I believe I've been baptized. Thank God. Oh, thank the Lord for that. But if you did it out of a sincere heart, it's because you were led by His Spirit, drawn by His Spirit, given new life by His Spirit to even desire that, see, and to be able to cry out those things. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth I give unto you. Let your not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because He sends the Comforter down from above to let you know, hey, the worst that can happen to you is you pass from this life and that's the best thing that could happen to you. I'm not saying I want it to happen today. I'm not trying to tempt the Lord. I've said that to you all many times. My, I have young children. I hope the Lord will leave me here some more years. But I look around to this morning. And I'm just reminded, you know, by some of the empty seats, that that happens. Right? And we have the comfort from the Spirit to know that when this is over, we will be with the Savior and with those loved ones who are rejoicing before Him right now. That is, a, that is the gift of God the Father to send to us. And I'm going to tell you, there's not anything wrong with praying that He would send it in an extra measure. I know when we're assembled together, He's there. Matthew chapter 18. I understand that. But, but is it wrong to plead with Him to, again, to, to kneel down and to, as Brother Luke prayed, as others pray, to profess His name, confess Him again and say, Lord, be with us today, please, in a manifest way. Let us feel Your Spirit. We need it. Oh, we need it. These are things that God the Father sends down to us now. The Lord said... Profess my name, and I will present these things. I will intercede before God the Father for you and before His holy angels. What do the angels do? As I said, are they not ministering spirits sent to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation? Yes. So when we pray in Jesus' name and we ask Him for these things, God the Father sends down His Spirit. He sends down mercy. He sends down comfort. 
And he knows exactly where to send it and how much to give and what you need. But you know who else he sends? Oh my, I wish we could see them today gathered around this building. I don't know exactly what they look like. But I know they hold the power of God in the swords that they hold. Those angels. And don't you think that when the angel of God killed those 185,000 Assyrians in one night, that it struck heart, struck fear in the heart of those battle-hardened soldiers to see their, their comrades just dropping around them like flies? No enemy to fight? It's dark. I don't even know who we're fighting, but the five guys I've just spent the last five years with pillaging and murdering are all dead, and I know I'm next. Listen, don't, don't, we should, we, there are things that go on in this life that we fear and we try to prepare for. And I don't know, some of y'all probably stock up ammunition and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. <laughs> but hey, you know what you should be doing while you're doing that in a greater sense? Professing the name of Christ, Lord. Will you raise up a hedge? Will you send down those angels? If there's one that wants to come here and harm this church, would you just strike them down before they get up and do it in whatever way pleases you? Lord, those, those politicians that are just trying to increase access to abortion and are laughing and are applauding up there. Remember months ago last year when they were applauding in New York because they had expanded abortion access to the point that you could basically kill a baby up to the point of birth and everybody's excited. Hey, are they excited now? And think with me now, I'm not trying to be too hard and I'm not trying to read too much into things, but I'm just telling you, listen, God has all power. And when we profess Him, when we ask Him, when we believe, when we come before Him with meekness and humility, He hears us. And He doesn't forget the things that the wicked do. There's a sense, Psalm 76, read that sometimes, in which God even restrains the wrath of man. How does He do that? I don't know exactly how He does it. But I guarantee you, they're in a a man or woman alive on this earth that can walk through a ring of his angels when he's posted them around one of his elect, when he's posted them around one of his churches, when they put up a hedge around a godly home that has done everything it could to get rid of the riffraff of this earth and the horrible movies and the book, and you have purged that and you have asked the Lord to bless your home. Let me tell you, if you could see what's going on around that, I think we would just be astounded sometime. Would we not bow our knees at night and ask the Lord to continue that? And would we not want to have an environment in our home, church, wherever you are, wherever you have control, where an angel wouldn't feel out of place? (laughs) Thought about that? Anyway, I'll move on. I've thought about that. Lord, (laughs) I hope my home's a place where your messengers wouldn't feel weird. And if it is, would you help me be better? Would you help me make it a place more fitting for your messengers to come and take up their abode at your bidding? To protect my little family. I'm just one little guy. I cannot see all calamities that could possibly come. But God the Father knows. He knows. Turn back with me to James. And this time let's go over to the third chapter. Getting, getting ready to close here. But something else we are in desperate, desperate need of that God the Father can send. Desperate need of. Verse 13 of James chapter 3. Same chapter, same, same book. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Who's, in other words, who's wise? You want to know who's really wise? Is what he's saying. If you're looking around and trying to figure out who the wise people are that you should listen to, 
when everything is confusing, this is who they are. Okay? We're fixing to read about what they are and what they look like. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. What does that mean? It means a truly, truly wise person has a good lifestyle. Now, someone can have a high IQ and have a lot of knowledge and have a trashy lifestyle. But when you have a situation like coronavirus, where nobody really knows what to do, listening to the experts doesn't help a whole lot. You know, we have to kind of fend for ourselves and make our own decisions and try to stay as safe as we can. And, you know, I'm in the medical field and I wish I could give you five points that would just guarantee you would never catch coronavirus. But coronavirus is a virus. Okay. And being a virus, it's contagious. You know, and being a virus, when a virus comes to a community, people will get sick. And so talking heads sometimes aren't much use. But but if you're trying to decide who to listen to, look and say, are, are they living a good lifestyle? Like, do the other things that come out of their mouth make sense? Are they godly? If not, they may not have a lot of true wisdom for you. Here it works with meekness of wisdom. Someone that admits that, you know what, this is the best information I have, but I don't know it all and I might not be 100% right. I can take that a lot better than someone who just, meh, 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 do this, do this, do this, you got to do this. You know, there's something inside me as a freedom-loving American that goes, hey, wait a minute. Have a little humility. Nobody knows it all except the Lord. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Okay, so there's a wisdom from above from God. And when it's not meek, when there's strife and when there's confusion and when there's division, that's not coming from above and coming from the Lord. I'm sorry, it's just not. Okay? The Lord's wisdom is different than that. What comes from the earth? First John chapter 2, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. is from the world, is not from the Father. Here's some things from the Father. But the wisdom that is from... Excuse me, I'll skip 16. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. Envying and strife. Well, we've seen that, right? The, the class warfare, the racial tension, the strife. A lot of times that's envying. When you have that, there will be confusion in every evil work. It's just like A equals B equals C. If I'm not having godly wisdom, if I've got worldly wisdom and I plug that into my life, eventually I'm going to have confusion. I'm going to have strife. So here's the wisdom that is from above. This is, this is the wisdom that you can hang on to. And where does it come from? Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. The Comforter who Jesus said in John chapter 14 would teach you all things that you need to know. There's things you don't need to know in this life, but the things you need to know, I believe the Spirit can help you understand them. And this is the wisdom that is from above. It is first pure. Pure. What does that mean? It's not dirty. And we're not talking about some dirt from working in the garden. You know that, right? But when, but when things are mingled with the dirt of the world and unrighteousness, you need to be very careful. That's not from above. If things that come from God will be pure, then peaceable. Okay? So if I have a disagreement with you, and I can come to you in meekness, in humility, temperance, long-suffering, love, joy, kindness, all the fruit of the Spirit, you know, that's from the Lord. If I come to you with a, uh, with a sword or throwing bricks through your windows or burning down your business, that's not from above. Amen. Okay? It's just not. Because that's not pure and it's not peaceable. 
All right? So I'm not taking a knee to that. I'll take a knee to the Savior. Now, somebody might run over me with a tank and crush me, but it won't be voluntarily taking a knee. You follow me? I'll bow my knee to the Savior, and the reality is that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? Philippians chapter 2. So a day's coming when everybody's going to get down on their knee before Jesus. Now they're not all going to ask for forgiveness and they're not all going to trust Him and believe Him because they're not all going to have the faith to do that. But to the children of God who have it in this life, we need to do it now. And we need to profess Him. And we need to confess Him. And we need to understand that the wisdom that He gives from above is pure. It is peaceable. It is gentle. And easy to be entreated. In other words, you can go to the Lord and ask the question, Lord, I don't understand, but I'll obey you anyway. Will you help me understand better? Sure. And if somebody's too arrogant to do that, then that's not from above. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So, what do we do in times of calamity and uncertainty? I think the most important thing you could do, I'm not saying don't prepare for things. The Lord gives you insight to prepare certain things. I mean, do that. We all try to do that to some extent in our lives. But the most important thing that we can be doing is professing the name of Christ, confessing the name of Christ. Now, you know, of course, it's beautiful when someone comes forward and does it and joins the church. But I mean, on a day by day basis, like with the songs you sing, the songs you listen to, the movies you watch, the books you read. Okay, the general conversation of your lifestyle, the prayers you pray, the churches you attend, the places you go. Are those professing and confessing the name of Christ? I hope so. And I hope my life does. Because the Lord sets some things up where the triune Godhead, who is one, They're set up in such a way that we can understand them, I think. And I'm sure we'll understand it better when we get over there and we're not seeing through a glass darkly. But, you know, we pray in Jesus' name because we're in Christ. And we're never not going to be in Christ. But when we do that, Jesus, in a way I don't completely understand, and the Spirit, in a way I don't completely understand, intercedes for us before God the Father. And we need a little mercy now. We need a little comfort now. We need some wisdom from above that is pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated. And we need to understand the difference. So when we hear something that ain't that, we know where it's coming from. It's earthly, sensual, devilish. And we pull back from that. And we profess with our lives and with our mouths the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this may be a little bit political. But I will obey as much as lies within me the laws of man for the sake of a Christian witness. Because I understand that the powers that be are ordained of God. That doesn't mean that every single person that sits in that place of power is necessarily ordained of God. But the powers that be, the general structure of government to protect us is ordained of God. And I, I try to follow 
along with that as much as I can. I, I really do. You know, if you see me speeding out here on the road, I probably just didn't know what the speed limit was. I really do try. I'm serious. And I hope my teenage drivers really, really try, right? But when the general stream of things bucks up against the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, it won't go well for the general stream of things. The Jews stumbled at that stumbling block and lost their nation. What should the response be? Profess Him. You confess Him. We pray to Him. And we follow along with the authorities that be as long as they're following the Lord. And when they diverge from that, we keep following the Lord. And I pray that we'll have the courage to do so. And you know what? It really starts in our homes with each and every home that's represented here. There's a lot of kids here. And I believe they're going to grow up and they're going to profess something. They're going to take a need of something because that's just the way humans are. And I hope it will be the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. By God's grace, I thank you for your time.